This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random X of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast, your host, Jake Burns. We are going to be joined by a guest I know you are accustomed to, one of my good friends, former co-host, John Colosimo of Waiting for Next Year and Nothing But the Dogs Podcast. And uh, we'll get to him in just a minute. Before we do, we are going to once again talk about our proud sponsors of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, betonline.ag with their welcome bonus still being offered as sports are getting ready to ramp back up. If you look at the July schedule, sports are supposed to get going. Now, I don't know if they do, but there's a lot of sports coming up. NASCAR, UFC, golf are already back. Get in on the the gambling action you've been missing. Get that welcome bonus. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. That's betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now, we get over for all the topics that are going on and uh, in Brown's I guess the Browns world is the way to put it. We are in the midst of a weird offseason where as, as crazy as things were leading into kind of the stage we're at now, that this is always a dry period in the football offseason anyway, this sort of oasis before training camp begins. But it's even more so, as we know, we've talked about nonstop heading into this, is like is teams seem to be afraid of whether the season is going to start, what the financials are going to look like, uh, is there going to be an uncapped year next year? And there's a lot of things and good players, honestly, still floating out there looking for new teams, whether that's trade requests or free agency. And I'm particularly interested in what some people that I consider very smart, uh, both covering the, fan, the the Browns and fans of the Browns, think from both perspectives. And I wanted to bring John in to do so. So, John, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Jake. How you been? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, just... Uh, just trying my best to stay mentally healthy, as I think everybody is, right? We're you know, in a weird part of the process that is trying to see ourselves through. This is the weirdest single year of our life, I think. It's up there. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, just, you know, it's, it's a lot of the same things day in, day out, and trying to battle uh, a plethora of negativity that is out there everywhere. And, and really, you know, we don't have baseball or basketball to distract us, so we're we're focusing on the Browns, man, and um, 
you know, that can be it can be good and bad. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think uh, you mentioned uh, today on Twitter that you wouldn't take sports for granted anymore, and I think um, that that's some true words spoken right there because. Uh, man, do you realize that uh, we need distractions like that? <laughs> I mean, you yeah. just, you're used to them, dude. Like I saw that this is the latest, the shortest baseball season we'll ever have had since like 1870, something yeah. like that. It's just, uh, it's just been an every day, even through tough times, even through world wars and and things of that nature. It's been, you know, um, it's just been a consistent thing for a lot of people, for all people, and. When it's just it's gone, it's weird. It's it's, you know, I'm I'm just watch. There's there's no reason to watch TV for me. I I watch shows, but like I, I'm not watching live TV anymore. I don't know. I don't know how they're surviving. That's another topic. I'm I'm rambling, but uh, it's a strange time, man. It's very strange. So, you know, I don't know. Do we the the Hall of Fame game gets canceled? Training camps? I just don't feel good. I feel I have felt good about football for a long time, but I feel less good, less good as not as good. As I have before, uh, I think that there's some just the way they warned about group workouts last week and advising against those and the uptick in some COVID tests that have gone on across the country and then some of the major athletes in some of these sports ramping up. I'm just nervous about it. Where are you at right now about the outlook of getting a 2020 season? Yeah, I think we're in a little bit of trouble, you know, um, and maybe that um, is a negative view on things. But certainly, like you mentioned, the uptick in these cases, uh, particularly in some of these southern and, and western states, is just it's troubling. And I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I know they're determined to do it, but um, you know, and maybe maybe we just lose the preseason entirely. Maybe we lose um, you know everything up to up to the fall. But there might there might be some changes that need to occur. Some you know, things can't look like they are right now, like on this trajectory, if we're going to have a season, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how we justify it. I, I, and listen, I, you, can, you can have an opinion on this virus one way or the other, and I, I steer away from politicizing pretty much anything sure. because you don't come here for politics, you come here for sports. Like, but I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know how you can look at the optics of it and say, yeah, we should play. Like baseball is the ultimate social distancing sport, right? You don't, you don't want really to have contact with anybody. But as J.C. Treader put it, football is built to transmit diseases like this. You're just, you're constantly touching people. You're, you're running into them. You're, you're trying. You're literally trying to touch them all the time. On alignment, at least. You're just, you're trying to stay engaged and you're trying to be on, on them and on top of them and rolling around. It's just. You know, it's it's nice that it's outside, but it's and some of them aren't even outside. I should say that, but it, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna look, and and I'm just uh, I'm <laughs> it'll it'll be so weird without football. But at this point, I guess it can't get any more weird. So I I won't be heartbroken about it, but I don't know what we'll talk about. I guess we'll talk about like like nature. I I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Our kids, we, we, you and I text about our kids all the time. We'll talk about them. Yeah. Um. But look, man, I, I'm, I'm interested in your opinion on some of the Browns' current statuses about roster decisions. Now, this is, I guess we'll take this from the perspective of if the Browns are presuming there's a normal season and there's a normal offseason and there's a cap season next year. Like, looking at some of these big names that are out there, right? I think Field Yates mocked up some trades that made sense for both sides today, had Yannick Ngakwe in a trade uh, that I think sent back David Njoko in a second-round pick. Uh, so that is just an idea floated out there. There's no legs behind that. Um, but there's defensive ends on the market still that are very, very good. Everson Griffin, Jadeveon Clowney yep. floating out there. Um, I'll, I'll start with 
these four, and I'll add Jamal Adams to the mix, and we'll touch on some of these other topics about conversation. But do any of those four like really interest you? Like, I think that you you think that they would. And I had the contra- contract conversation on the Newswire podcast with Brent Sobleski yesterday about who is a guaranteed second contract player as we sit here right now, because that's when the Browns will have to make this decision. They'll make this decision going into the year, yes or no, based on these guys not having played their third year. So that's kind of what I find fascinating. But I just want to know if any of those players are very, very interesting to you. Well, I think that uh, Everson Griffin continues to be the guy most interesting to me because he's out there. Um, He's not uh, getting clowny type money. Um, and he's a, he's a good player with gas left in the tank and he's got familiarity with the coaching staff. So, uh, that that's probably the guy most interesting to me, um, on kicking the tires and, and taking a look. I I've been big on upgrading that defensive end spot. I think that, uh, with no guaranteed money, uh, for, um, geez, uh, uh, our right defensive end, the Jesus. Sorry, it's, uh, Olivia. My mind. Olivia yeah, Go Olivia. Just, Vernon, just restart right there. You're good. Okay, sure. Yeah. So with no guaranteed money for Olivier Vernon, um, I think it's it's always been out there uh, for the flexibility, and whether that meant uh, just grabbing an extra guy and keeping him, or uh, trying to ship him off for a pick, or or just releasing him outright. Um, I think that there's been opportunities um and there are opportunities here to to upgrade a little bit now some people are a little higher than uh me on on vernon just to begin with but uh out of those four uh, bottom line I, I think everson griffin is the most interesting to me so it, it was somebody like um it seems every season comes and goes with a player like um, Jamal Adams floating around, whether it was last year, Clowney, who was trying to get out of Houston, because they wouldn't mm-hmm. pay him. Um, I know there have been other examples, and I think Le'Veon Bell wanted out of Pittsburgh, didn't end up getting out of Pittsburgh until later. Um, trying to think. There, I think there was one more example of somebody trying to force Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick, getting his way out of Miami. Like, where are you on that play? I mean, Jamal Adams is pretty much as good as you're going to get as a safety, a diverse safety in the league, and he's young. Does that type of player interest you for this defense? Are you willing to give up what it takes and sign what it takes to get that kind of guy? Because in my opinion, the Browns need a safety, another safety, a dynamic safety if they can find one. Um, But it comes with a hefty tag, right? So I'm kind of curious your opinion on that. Yeah, you know what? This one feels like um, a little bit of a tough situation where, you know, if the team has control like, like the Jets do, uh, it takes a lot to to pry a player like this away, and you know I, I guess it's hard to. Obviously, everybody would love to have a Jamal Adams, and certainly you're correct that the Browns absolutely need a, a safety, and it, it would be great to get an All Pro, you know. But um, many times you just can't make that work, and uh, when you have to give up picks and think about uh, a contract for an all pro player um, it it's just difficult to to say yes without knowing what the what the terms are but yeah I mean it'd be fantastic to have him good leader uh, fantastic player but I mean what do you think it would actually take to get him yeah I mean if it was not Joe Douglas running the ship now and it was former Jets 
front office. I think there was a, a way you could probably make that deal and uh, and maybe get, I guess, a one-over on them. But I think they're going to be a lot more shrewd about this whole thing. So it's probably going to take a first and some change. The Browns have an extra third, so they might be willing to part with that. I'm not sure if that's enough. It might be, depending on how ugly that situation is there, whether it's salvageable for them or not, ultimately. And it's going to be a $16, $17 million a year contract. Look, I think he's really good. And I, I don't know... You know, you got to think too, John, and I've talked about this on Twitter and various podcasts, is like, we, we think the Browns have some guys that need re-signed, right? Like, we, we certainly think Baker Mayfield's set to bounce back. You know, it's it's preseason optimism for everybody. Denzel Ward's going to have this fantastic season. And look at all these guys we have to pay in the running back debate with Nick Chubb. But there's a, there's a universe, my friend, where, um, you know, especially in the secondary where Greedy Williams isn't as good as we hoped he would be. Very uneven rookie season where he actually tackled a lot better than he covered. I broke him down pretty extensively and uh, have some concerns. I think he's probably set to be an average to below average defensive back his whole career. Denzel's fine. I think he's fine. He can be good to great. But there's another season you know, where we're in week nine and he's played three games, four games. And it's like, can you give Denzel Ward big money if the guy is – consistently dealing with concussions and soft tissue injuries, I think it becomes a really big debate. And it's like, you don't, you don't really know. You don't know what, what goes on there. So like, you know, you look at the situation, maybe, maybe you had a chance and the Jets said, Hey, San Francisco's offering us a one and a four. We're going to take it unless you top it. Will you give us a one and a three? You say no. Denzel Ward has a bad year, is hurt, maybe seven, eight games again. And you don't know whether you want to resign him. Maybe you resign him. Maybe you don't. And then you're looking at a reset with your secondary. Because maybe Grant Delpit's not as good. I'm just saying, like, finding the ability to get elite players at a young age like Jamal Adams is, is like, you almost you almost kind of have to really entertain it. I don't know if they end up doing it, because um, I don't know the faith they have in the group that's in place. But it's like, you could look back in two years and be like, man, I really wish you would have made that deal because we just, these guys, we thought we were going to get something from that were going to be big time players didn't pan out. So, look, I'm, I, I can see where people are like, you shouldn't do it because they got these guys that they think can work out. And that's great. But proven commodities as far as elite players in the NFL are, are rare. And people were like jumping on me about this and like, well, they got some young guys to develop. And I'm like, that's fine, man. You can play like three or four safeties at a time, and I don't know. I don't know if you know this. It's not the quarterback position where only one guy can play, and you also have, you know, uh, more defensive back packages than ever. And if you want to stop that guy in Baltimore, who shredded the league last year, you have to play high volume of defensive backs who can do multiple things, who can play force, who can rush the passer effectively as hell who can play coverage half field single high whatever it is that guy can do it all so it's like you know what do you hope to get next year in the first round maybe you go after a young defensive end what's their hit rate it's a coin flip you know you go after another young safety like i i just i kind of don't see a reason why not but that's just that's just me yeah. in, a, in a in a room with a microphone and a keyboard i'm just like i just don't see why you wouldn't really pursue it also because i know the browns weren't on his list john but the LSU connection is real. I mean, there are a ton of LSU sure. guys here, and if he got traded here, I don't see why he would reject coming to Cleveland with the connection he has to all these LSU players, right? The two best safeties to come out of LSU in the last 10 years would be here. 
I, and I'll tell you what, like that's, those are great points. I mean, like the, the fact of the matter is just like you said, we might not even have a player in the secondary. Like that's the, that's the, the most negative way you can look at it, but it's a reality that there's nobody that's a sure thing. Yes. Denzel, when he's healthy, uh, very good player. Um, we don't know what we have in greedy and we have absolutely no idea what we have in safety. So, you know, it's, it's fair to say that you could, and you know how these things go, you know, you, like you said, like we have the optimism coming into the season. We think we have these guys, you can have a completely different opinion by the end of the year. You know, well, and like Sobo said yesterday, I said, who would you say right now is a lock to sign a second contract? Like a big deal. Cause everybody, I swear to God, since they drafted Baker and Denzel in the top five, it's like, well, they have to plan for the next contract. And it's like, they play four years of a rookie deal, man. You don't really know. Unless they blow up quick, which is what Adams is dealing with here, you don't know. And most guys play out the four years and get a fifth year, and then teams decide. So it's like um, – and, and Sobo – I mean, Sobo said just Miles Garrett, and I'm with him right now. I think Baker can get there. I have obviously all the faith in the world in him, but I, he's not – you're asking me right now, hey – would you sign him to a two hundred and fifty million dollar? Con- I don't know. Why? Why would I do that right now? I don't. I don't feel good enough about it. So, um, yeah, dude, right. I, I don't know. I, it's just an interest, a fascinating topic to me. And um, you know, I, I just I, I listen. It's 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 going to be interesting to see how the league shakes out in terms of what money they spend. Teams are comfortable spending going into the year because. You know, if you sign somebody and you don't even get the year, you, the year doesn't even get played. It's how are you? Did you lose a year of that guy's contract? You know what I mean? It could be. It could all be very. It could all be very weird. So I think teams are are super hesitant right now to to make any of those kinds of moves. So we had you on before the draft, John, and uh, I I didn't get a chance to talk to you after. What what was your what was your opinion of how they did in the draft, and what did you think of the Hooper and and Conklin signings and all that stuff? Uh, you know, um, I was very impressed um, with how they did, and it, it was a little bit of what I kind of expected in that I believed Barry when he said they were going to be aggressive. And I, I definitely put out some kind of mock drafts with some free agencies out there that that picked up some of these guys, you know, and I, I was just really, although I will say I, I'm still not entirely sure Conklin is um, perfect for this system. But um, uh, I, I really enjoy that they – I thought it was very dangerous to walk into this draft um, without – with, you know, no tackles, basically. Um, I loved Hooper. Like, that's – you know, that's a home run hit, uh, especially for the kind of offense that Stefanski wants to run here, at least what I'm assuming he wants to run here. That was a home run. Um, Conklin could be a fantastic one, but it, it just relieves so much pressure off the draft – to pick up that tackle um, and not have to leave the tackle with two or three even tackles. So uh, I was pretty happy. I'm not sure, honestly, that there has been another draft that I can recall that more of my guys, I guess, that I kind of really liked um, got picked. So uh, I was very impressed with what they did. I think they did a very good job maneuvering. you know, grabbed a, an extra pick for next year. And um, I think the selections were pretty darn good. The value was pretty darn good as far as what I can see. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what grade I'd place on the off season, but I'd be hard pressed to not 
have a B plus, A minus on it. Um, I was very happy with how they chose to address the holes. Yeah, me too. It's uh, I, I especially was flipping through Instagram earlier, and I was just thinking, like, man, they really they really signed Conklin and Hooper, and they have a, a good feel for having an offense that is like hyper talented, right? They they certainly have. Um, a group that if they have the right coach and it's not just an absolute cluster, um, for lack of a better word, they could really put up some points. Um, how did you feel about Conklin as far as how he slides into this offense? Um, good question. I, I think he's a very good zone blocker. The more I watched him, the more I broke him down, I understood where Pro Football Focus had him ranked as one of the highest, especially wide zone blockers. I think that their opinion is we want a guy who can do that first and foremost a guy who can still do gap-down schemes effectively and counter power ISO-type concepts because they do do some different things instead of just wide zone. I think that's what people get caught up on. You know, if you look at Shanahan's offense last year, it was so diverse in the run game. Um, but as far as the run, but like you couldn't find a better run-blocking fit. He was just ideal. Now, they're going to have to help him a little bit sometimes in pass game. Uh, I don't think he's a perfect pass protector. He has a little bit of a, a weakness getting beat inside, uh, but... You know, I mean, if he's above average at that and a really, really good fit for their run game, and it's not, it wasn't a contract that was astronomical as some people thought it was going to be a really ridiculous contract. Oh, that contract. was a great deal. That yeah. was a great deal, I thought. Yeah, yeah me too. So it, it fits, and it fits, and I think that it eases the burden of uh, of having to plug and play an immediate player on, on both sides and, and kind of worrying about maybe taking two tackles or something along those lines. So I felt good about that. Um yeah, I, I felt good about it. What do you what do you think of uh, what do you think of the virtual off season? We'll kind of kind of start to wrap things up here a little bit, but I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are of like how Andrew Barry has done, what this group feels like to you, as opposed to maybe I know we have the the the, the blessing of hindsight here, and it's tough to say I felt I felt a certain way before Freddie's disaster or before Hughes' disaster, but like. You know, I have an opinion on this, but I'm going to ask you first, like where you sit on Stefanski, where you sit on Andrew Barry, and how they're doing, and how they're handling the virtual stuff. I'll tell you what, like I, um, you know, I hate to sound like a cheerleader, bit, uh, but uh, this is my favorite Browns organization that I've ever seen. Um, I was, uh, I wanted Stefanski. Um, I was very happy when he was hired. Um, I loved bringing back Andrew Barry. Um, I love what they're doing with the coaches. Um, um, you know, I mean, an organization headed by uh, by Jimmy here. Um, I couldn't, you know, setting that aside, I, I could just couldn't be more proud of uh, how these guys are doing. And I'm a I'm a huge fan, and I really feel very very optimistic about this group long term if they're allowed to do their thing and they're allowed to. Um, execute the vision that they want to do. So I hate to be a cheerleader, but that's how I feel right now. Yeah, it's hard, right? I think I think last year we had to do a little bit of like, you know, the Browns have hired some people that we've deemed smart in the past, and maybe it's just time for a good old boy. Maybe it's time for a guy who can really connect to the players. And look, I was in, man. You can go back and read the stuff I wrote. Like, I was obviously in. Sure, but, uh, me too. You know, probably glossed over some things. His ability, and I've 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 talked about this a lot this offseason, was not Freddie's ability to get players to believe in him. I don't think that was all too challenging. I think it was really challenging for him to get his coaching staff to believe in him. 
And I think that's a big part of things that we have overlooked here about almost every coach that the Browns have had. Can they lead not just the players? Can they lead the guys who coach the players, the guys who do more hands-on coaching than he does? Can he lead those guys? Can he get those guys to buy into the vision? Because that's important. If you've ever been a part of a coaching staff, you have to believe in your head coach or it just has a way of, you know, trickulating. Um, I'm not sure if that's a word, trickulating. <laughs> I think I made that one up. Listen, it has a way of trickling across your, your, your approach to the game as a coach. Um, has a has a way of manifesting itself in conversations, whether you outwardly say it or you have a body language thing, and players pick up on that stuff, right? They're super perceptive. So, I don't I don't know. I I, I lean toward being really optimistic about this group because I think Stefanski is a type of guy, the type of personality, the type of thinker, the type of leader, the same way Andrew Barry is. The, 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 the things people say about them, the way they talk in press conferences, the background they have in education, you're not going to but, – but at the same time, this is what's interesting to me, John, is like clearly these guys are some of the smartest guys in the room. And they have been their whole life, right? Like they've gone to Penn, they've gone to Harvard. They're typically sure. the smartest guy in the room. Sometimes there might be alphas who have done it longer and been in, in the same situations and uh, maybe they didn't feel that way before. But they're for the most part the smartest guy in the room, yet – you don't ever get the vibe that they they rub off that way. Like I think Hugh Jackson was insecure and wanted to feel like he was the smartest guy in the room all the time. And if he didn't feel that way, he was he was standoffish, and he was uh, upset about that. Like I, I I don't think you're gonna see a sort of like if the Browns lose a couple games, I don't think you're gonna see Stefanski blaming people. I don't think you're gonna see him become a a, a prick like uh, a, a, in the way he answers questions. I just feel like he's a very thoughtful guy and like. Being able to be thoughtful is important, um, and and guys can can express that in all, a wide variety of ways. You know, they can be uh, on to, on to Indianapolis, whatever. They can be Bill che- Bill Belichick, where they don't do that outwardly. Um, but I think that you can get a feel for you know if you get Belichick to open up, right, right, John, like. You can yeah. tell. You can just tell. And, and, I, and I think that's the same with like Saban. And then I think there are guys like Stefanski and Barry who, you, you know, they, they don't mind talking. Some of those guys don't mind talking to the press. And when they give their answers, um, you, you just get a feeling that, that, that it's right. I don't know what other way to put it, that it's right. I hope it works. I really genuinely hope it works. Um, I'm still like I'm, I'm sure you are in show me W's mode in terms of, I'm not going to be like chest thumping about these guys and these hires. Like I think they were good hires given the situation and where they've been before. But like I'm just really impressed in their ability to clearly be some of the smartest guys in the room but not act like it and not give that vibe and are okay with listening and collaborating and coming together to formulate the best plan for not just their position group or whatever but for the team and the greater good and the greater organizational view. So that stuff is cool to me. It's really neat. Now, does that translate to wins? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But it's a it's a refreshing thing, right? To know to know that your franchise doesn't have multiple guys who are chasing after the owner to get the the, the favorable opinion, or chasing after um, you know whoever else within the organization who will let them bend their ear so that they're not going to be the one fired. I don't feel that. I just don't feel that from this group. And um, hopefully it's catching the right young guys at the right time that it can be 15, 20, 25 years of this, these two together. And, um, that would be, that'd be great, man. I don't know. I rambled, but that's just like where I'm at with it. No, I, I'll tell you what, like it wasn't just the head coach hire. It wasn't just the GM hire. Um, I loved the subsequent hires of his staff and that's where, you know, I don't re- recall, um, being as happy by the time that a staff filled out before 
Um, and, you know, I love what people say about Stefanski and I love, you know, what he says kind of reaffirms what you hear other people say about him. And, uh, you know, certainly after Hugh Jackson, somebody uh, with so little ego compared to Hugh Jackson just feels like a breath of fresh air. And, uh, you know, and just his focus, I think, on uh, on the quarterbacks and, the, and, the, and this offense, I think is going to be great for Baker right at this time. He's had how many offensive coordinators? Four. Um, you know, so uh, it seems it seems like it's really um, possibly the the right fit at the right time for everybody here. Yeah, I hope so, man. I really do. I, I I have no reason to not feel like it is. I think if you look back, you can say there were pretty clear writings on the wall that it wasn't going to work for Freddie. No, no, no offense to him, but it just wasn't going to work. Um, and I think again, like I, I, you just touched on it. Like you, you, you like this. I liked last year's staff. Like I was really excited about Todd Monk, and there were a lot of things about last year's staff I liked. But I just didn't know how poor of a, a leader of men in terms of his coaching staff that Freddie was going to be. He might have been an okay play caller, but everything else about the the, the, the head coaching position overwhelmed him. And I just don't get that vibe from Stefanski. So hopefully, that again, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. It can man itself and manifest itself into some quality wins, and and really find a way for a group to stick around. Like I would love to be able to break down his offense over three, four years, and just be like, this is how it's adapting, and learn some of their play calls and things like that. Would be just really cool instead of every single year, like you said, four play callers going into it like, well, this is what I think they might do, or you know, this is what he did in Minnesota, but maybe the head coach. I, I'm just sick of that. I don't. I, I just want to like, yeah, you know, I just want to see the same defense, and then maybe a, co- a coordinator if. Joe Woods gets a head job someday. Maybe his his secondary coach takes over and runs. I just would love to see that consistency. I'm craving it. I'm dying for it. So uh, hopefully it works out. Look, John, thanks thanks for joining me, man. I know we we went off in the weeds, but sometimes it's it's just good to catch up and talk about this team, where they're sitting, and and uh, get some different opinions. So I appreciate you taking some time, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Always good to talk to you, man. All right, guys, thanks to John for joining us. Uh, appreciate his uh, his time and, and taking out of his evening. It's it's late here on Thursday night. You're hopefully listening to this on Friday. And uh, he's a father. He's got a young one just like I do. We're always tired. So I had to had to, uh, had to to beg him to come on. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. He didn't have to be begged. He didn't have to be begged. But, uh, um, no, this is good. Good, good conversation. Um, hopefully you guys are following all the OBR channels, the Film Breakdown Twitter we, uh, we just launched an Instagram page for all you young folks who, who love Instagram. We just launched one of those. Got three pictures up in a day. What's up? We're doing it. Three pictures. Follow that. Uh, make sure you're checking out everything on the OBR. John uh, Stephenson is putting out a really fun article on um, front four twist stunts and how you can get pressure. The 49ers got a high pressure rate out of just four rushers, and uh, his stuff is always very insightful. He's going to look at how they did that and accomplish some different goals without bringing extra blitzers. Hopefully that can come to Cleveland too. So keep your eye on that. So until we talk next time, appreciate you guys. And as usual, go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.